I'm Frederick Gerten, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. Hey, Leilani. This is like a very special podcast because it's the first live podcast we are doing in Pushback Talks. Because I'm in Zagreb, Croatia, where Push has, you know, like a one-year delayed theatrical release. The film is going to be played in 10 cities around Croatia. They organize talks around in different uh, architectural societies and so on. Really cool. Fantastic. It gives me hope, too. People are going to theaters, watching films. Amazing. And right now, the sound will be a little bit less amazing, but it's... I'm in a theater in Zagreb, and, and we have it's a limited number of audience, but it's still 25 people, so you will hear them in the end. And we will meet uh, the amazing Eva Markitic, uh, a researcher and an activist here in, in Zagreb. Great. So welcome to Pushback Talks, and this is in Zagreb, and we are together with architect and activist from the Right to the City here in Zagreb, Eva uh, Markitic. And Eva is one of these amazing, um, well-connected persons that do a great job here in Croatia. And we actually met for the push premiere in Serbia and Belgrade. And Eva just um, released a book and the title is still in Croatia. So you have to tell me, Eva. Uh, it's uh, Housing Policies in Service of uh, Social and Spatial Inequalities. Wow. It's a bit of a stretch, kind of. It's soon going to be, well, I have to say, it's soon going to be uh, published in English also. So for those interested in the specifics of our region in, when it comes to housing, uh, can read it, yeah. I've been walking around in Zagreb today and yesterday, and I've, I've been here also before. You can see that there are some scars in the city because of the earthquake uh, last year. So you, here you have both the pandemic and the earthquake is like two crises on top of one. Normally, who who are the people who take advantage of? Well, we know who takes advantage. Investors see crisis uh, and two crises as huge opportunity. So I would imagine that they are, I think they were already there before the pandemic and before uh, the earthquakes, uh, but I think they must be having their eyes wide open and their pockets ready to to purchase. For sure, you are right. We just watched the movie and we watched we watched the story of these big equity uh, investment funds and everything, how they're actually rampaging through Europe, buying, uh, buying housing in, in bulk. But uh, as you well know, probably Leilani, that the, the issues with housing in this part of Europe and in this part of the world are a bit different because our histories of housing are different. So we don't have still in such huge bulks, like a huge, we don't have big landlords and we had a privatization system that actually did not uh, allow for uh, big bulks to big, big bulks of property to concentrate. So we don't have the exact same situation that we are seeing in the film that is actually the focus of the film. But what you are talking about is the way how financial capital and how different 
extracts value, and that value is extracted here through uh, depth, through uh, different kind of uh, different kind of changes that we see in our lives and in our cities. Uh, and it just takes a little bit uh, a different kind of approach over here. But what we are seeing now with the earthquake and also with COVID crisis, it is to be expected that more and more property is going to be concentrated in hands of, of bigger players than we have seen uh, as of today. It is, of course, up to your government to decide or to the cities because a lot of the housing companies are still city-owned or state-owned. We have only 2% of our housing stock is public, but this is the biggest landlord. So no other landlord owns the, that much property uh, in one city. So the, the thing is that when we don't know what this crisis holds within it, but we know that the city is uh, indebted, that we have a huge debt that, that can go like in other cities that we've seen in Europe, uh, it can go in a certain direction where we sell off our housing stock, where we sell off our, our uh, land. Uh, one of the things that is starting to happen, of course, is to sell off our uh, centrally positioned public land that can be used for housing and other things that you know the city needs. So we, we are seeing this kind of political move towards saving our city through selling its what we call silver like selling its property selling it so this is like the crisis always kind of pushes these narratives even further as we have seen in the rest of europe and in america and there is like this thing when you have a different kind of you you in the film deal with with the western europe and uh, and canada and uh, uh places like that and uh over here some of the things that we have seen there are coming here with a delay, but in kind of a different, in a bit of a different fashion. Uh, so it's interesting to follow that also. Yeah. One thing for sure you have in common with Barcelona and many other cities is the touristification. So the Airbnb yeah. factor, the, the short, short time rental is grabbing a lot of your apartments. Yes, uh, we have. Our coast, of course, is completely ravaged by uh, tourism and uh, impossibility to rent housing, to live long term in housing. And the idea of housing has, has significantly changed because, you know, the housing, a house is something out of which people live down, to, down by the coast. Uh, it's not something they just live in, they live of it. So it's, it's a, a different kind of uh, a setting. And here in Zagreb, we have seen a huge, um, uh, huge influx of Airbnb and Airbnb properties. We had before the crisis, before, before COVID, we had like 30% annual growth of Airbnb in Zagreb, which actually produced a yearly jump in rents uh, of 11% or more. Uh, so we have this uh, lack of uh, properties for long-term rent, but also a, a, a hike in prices, which made city uh, less and less affordable and less and less approachable. Because it's obvious that also here in Zagreb, people talk about exactly the same things in all other cities it's getting more and more expensive. It's yeah. harder and harder to, to pay the rent. And I heard a story today about uh, a family who had just bought a 
much too expensive apartment. And then the earthquake came and, and totally destroyed the apartment. So you can't even live in it. So now they have to, for a while, emigrate to Canada. Ah, well, good luck in Canada. We have a very ridiculously out of control real estate market here at the moment, uh, just like everywhere, actually. In the midst of this pandemic, the real estate market continues to flourish and 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 you know it's a it's amazing it it seems very resilient uh even when there's a a deadly virus around i remember when i was uh, so when i was first appointed rapporteur and uh, un rapporteur on the right to housing in 2014 i think the second official visit I did was to Serbia. And I remember meeting with a family in Belgrade who were living in what used to be state owned housing. They had purchased it for their unit for something ridiculous, like literally 20 euros. And um, now they were living in this, it was um, a former uh, workers housing and so there was a communal kitchen communal bathroom and then they all had their units it was in complete disrepair like I mean I couldn't enter the bathroom it was so in in such disrepair the the man with whom I was speaking had created a shower for his wife and daughters out of a closet in his own unit um, out of a sense of pride and dignity for his family Uh, And then later I talked to some local officials and I was asking, like, what are you going to do about all? There are so many workers, and I'm sure it's the same in Croatia, these workers' um, apartments and dwellings that are just, they need repairs. And he said, well, we have two choices. We sell off public land to get money to refurbish these places, or we have a contract with private developers who will come in and help us refurbish but then they'll turn them into luxury units and make them unaffordable to the average people and certainly the people that were living who no longer had jobs because the factory had closed they were still just in the factory housing so I don't know if there are a lot of parallels with Croatia but it really struck me as you said very a a very different phenomenon because of the history of socialism and and communism in the region and that flipping immediately to capitalism um, a very particular experience but still definitely related to financialization as uh, you know as I just said uh, yeah, what you said is uh, what we have in all of our ex-Yugoslavian countries is a lot of uh, poor that have property. That is the phenomenon that that we are living here, and that uh, it depends like where your property is situated. It's uh, it, you are kind of uh, inside of the real estate market or outside of it. If you are lucky to be inside of real estate market, say you have inherited or you have bought a, uh, bought through right to buy an apartment which is in Zagreb in a nice neighborhood, then perhaps you can maybe earn some money out of selling it and buying something else uh, in the, in another place. But for majority, a large majority of people, that is actually uh, not possible. They are not, the, 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 or the apartments are actually too small to, to do this kind of change. 
but you are stuck and left with your property and bills that are piling up and everything. We have a lot of energy poverty, as you know, and especially pronounced more in, uh, in Serbia and Macedonia than in Croatia, but in Croatia also very much so. We had, very, we had the same system of, of privatizing. Um, but yes, as we see, there is like, there, there are two phenomenons, well, two, many phenomenons, but one of the phenomenons which is, I, I think, uh, quite interesting is that on the one hand, you have a lot of this kind of uh, poverty with property, but also on the other hand, you have um, changes, a cl class changes through transgenerational kind of um, transfer of this wealth that was created in Yugoslavia as a social wealth. So you have like, uh, grandmothers and grandparents who have had uh, so, uh, socially owned flats. Then you have parents who have had socially owned flats. If you are a generation like me, uh, who has like all of the generation living in the, those apartments, you are poised to actually inherit those, uh, those uh, properties. And in this way, housing from Yugoslavia makes you kind of a middle, higher middle class uh, and makes you kind of better or different from the from others in your generation. So we are kind of slowly but surely creating these property classes also based on the on, on the things that we inherited from Yugoslavia. When in Belgrade there is obvious that, that you have this the river front the big development that is some Middle East capital coming in the, yeah. which is like a, been a big big story big struggle in in in, in Belgrade but now it's there and it's yeah. ugly. Uh, so it's like the same kind of uh, dark towers like we see all around the world. But do you, do you have that kind of uh, developments coming in here also, that kind of money? Oh, it's an interesting story. Uh, yes, actually, we have the same thing that happened in Belgrade. The same investors were trying to come into Zagreb. And the, the idea is uh, to give them actually um, a controlling power over our land, not property, but controlling power, controlling power over the entity that owns the land. It's a very interesting scheme. And they come, they, they come into places where they're expecting the democratic processes to be weak. So these kind of investors, this is not Blackstone, this is Eagle Hills. There's a difference like, and these kind of Eagle Hills investors, they come into places where they assess that, that the democracy, the democratic procedures are weak. So they are able to uh, swoop in and take over control over land and make some deals and build some, well, not even build in Belgrade. It's, it's very kind of shady who is actually building, who is actually investing anything there. So they actually just extract value from the public land. But what we did to here, we knew what happened in Belgrade. Once they came here, we organized for a year and then this ended up with uh, 20,000 people. We organized the biggest protest just before Corona hit, 20,000 people in the main square. I don't know who here remembers this event. It seems like it was 10 years ago. Uh, it was just a year ago. Pre-Corona. Yeah, pre-Corona event. And actually, with this this kind of um, resistance, we managed to uh, we managed to kill the plan, to kill the possibility of this kind of investment. So we kind of won in Zagreb. Uh, and to be able to win, Belgrade activism and what people in Belgrade actually found out about these investors, how they operate, and things like that, actually helped us immensely here in Zagreb to uh, to actually chase them away. 
oh, for, for our listeners and for the audience here in, in Croatia is that Eva is connected with people around the world like you are and like we are. Uh, and there's a lot of knowledge traveling quite quick. In, in the podcast we had the other week uh, about Greece, where a, a data journalists are trying to, to monitor who owns Athens. And that was also very interesting um, to, I mean, so that kind of knowledge is also makes it easier. So that kind of mapping project is also important. To, to study what happens in other cities, you, maybe you have a chance to actually block a development you don't want to come. In a few weeks, just a few days after when you out there listen to this podcast, there's elections in Croatia local elections and here in in Zagreb it's it seems a big chance the leading in the polls is uh, somebody linked to to your work as like more a modern kind of, mm. uh, of mayor might might coming in like the experience of Aracolao coming in in Barcelona with a lot mm. of with a lot of knowledge of this kind of development so there is there is some hope that you you can actually defend defend your city in some way Oh yeah, I mean, as you show also in the film, the only way to actually fight uh, what is going on is to legislate and to change their opportunities of profiting. Yeah, and I, I, I think that right now is such a good moment for some more progressive people with progressive ideas to assert themselves, especially in a situation like in Zagreb with Airbnb, for example. I mean, there's now such a worldwide movement pushing back against Airbnb. It's now a public company, which actually is helpful in some ways. Um, my own city here, I live in Ottawa, Canada. It's the capital. It's a small city, just a million people. Uh, just yesterday, the city council voted to start regulating Airbnb. And it's a very conservative city council. Generally, they don't do anything progressive. But with this one, they could see it's so clear. And, and as you said, Eva, it's so clear uh, in Zagreb that it's eating up existing housing that people need. And you've had a 10% increase in the cost of housing in the, in, the, in the price of housing, I think, in recent years, maybe more. But I think in Zagreb, it's, it, and even in the pandemic, I think it continues to increase. So it's the type of thing that um, uh, hopefully city uh, politicians could win on, you know, build it into their platform is protecting the city for the people who live there. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to add one thing. I, I received an email late last week. I think the person who sent it did not know that I would be sort of in Zagreb uh, doing this. Uh, but he, he wrote to me, a fellow named Nanad, um, and he wrote to me telling me that in his city, he said an ancient public soccer field was sold to some unknown, rich and glamorous architectural firm. And they've created some very luxurious, high-end residential building that is really that no one in that city can actually afford and they don't know who's who it's intended for um so maybe that's um just just an another example of the way these things they just happen and if we don't have strong city government as well as national government but pushing back they you know just like that a, a soccer field becomes luxury 
penthouse apartments, you know? Yeah, we, we would have to also not change the, not only change the way the governments, city governments work, but also this narrative that says, and you mentioned it before, uh, we have a problem, now we have to sell the land to fix the problem. So this is one of the things that, that, is, uh, that is difficult to change and needs to. But uh, so Eva, what do you say? What, what, why do you think this film is relevant for, for Croatia? shows how if you deregulate, if you do not uh, take care of legislations and protections for tenants, for uh, any kind of housing, that you're going to get into this really horribly dark place where nothing is anymore, everything is bizarre actually, as you show in the film. So what we, I mean, what we are actually dealing in Zagreb today, especially, and in Croatia, but especially in, in, like, in cities, is the question that more and more people are renting because they cannot afford to buy. So they are renting, so you have a lot of renters here and you have no legislation and no public conversation about this specific status of housing. And then you have a lot of, uh, a lot of this kind of narratives that this situation is temporary, that this is a relation between the landlord and the tenant, and the landlord and the tenant should actually get to some agreement. And nobody's talking that this is kind of a relation that needs to be institutional, uh, institutionalized in the sense that it needs to be regulated, and that we need to have more and more protections because our housing situations are changing. And what we are seeing in the film that, you know, gradually you don't even understand it, and gradually you're just like your apartment is sold to somebody else. You have no rights to, uh, you, nobody protecting you to stay in this apartment and, and, and all of the things that can happen if, you are not, if we are not vigilant enough that we need to regulate this field. Yeah, I mean, when we talked to Soteris Sireris in Athens the other week, he told us about one working class area in Athens where 70% of the population had left in only a few years. Well, so 70% had to move because of... Yeah. In a place... I'm sorry. To, yeah. <laughs> just jumping in. No, but in a place where we are sitting here, in this, in this part of the city, from the, well, the data we have from the uh, last two censuses, from 2001 to 2011, so in the period of the, uh, of the real estate boom, 20% uh, of inhabitants living in this part, central part of the city left or are not living here anymore. So, yes, I don't know how many of, of them have left since 2011, and especially now in the earthquake. So we are perhaps talking about 50% different kind of uh, population living in this part of the city. So it's, it's a change. And you also, I, 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 I'm sure that our audience also have this, like, this feeling that some parts of the city do not belong to you anymore. For me, like every time I search for another apartment, I go further and further from the centrally, infrastructurally endowed part of the city. So that means that somebody's pushing me away. And if they're pushing me away, who have, have a steady job, you know, what happens to others? I mean, I mean, the next initiative coming up from Berlin right now, where they there's a campaign to expropriate one of the biggest housing companies, mm -hmm. Deutsche Wohnen, which they have like 340,000 apartments in Berlin. So there is actually a campaign and it will be a, a plebiscite about that in mm. September. So it's 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 a big struggle coming up in a city close to us, and that will be very interesting to follow, because that's 
disruptive big time yes. because they they want to they don't want to pay the market price of today mm-hmm. they want to pay the market price of 10 years ago and, and I, they will just say all this money that's lying on the top is just speculative just go away you lost okay. that's that's radical <laughs> very radical it's very cool berlin sold off hundreds of thousands of its uh, of its public housing for an average price of 20,000 euros. I mean, imagine buying an apartment in Berlin now for 20,000 euros. It's impossible. So, yeah. And the people who bought Berlin for that cheap price is now, you know, it's a bunch of, of, uh, of billionaires. Yeah. And they're just, the property is just changing hands. And they're just playing around with that money. They, the, the, the rich is just placing money on our homes. It's, it's, it's disease. And if you don't have it here already, you should really protect yourself here in Croatia because it's a, it's yeah. a challenge. Because when you have them on top of you, which you can see in 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 the UK or in Toronto and you know, in other places, it's that mm-hmm. it's it's very hard to get out of it. They're very powerful. Yeah. So when when your friend is winning the election now, what 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 will happen? You think here in 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 Zagreb with a new mayor what can a new mayor do in terms in terms of housing and property uh, can put a stop on privatizing public land and also the remnant the remaining public housing that is still being uh, privatized through right to buy schemes uh, and uh, also one of the things that I hope would be a part of it uh, a part of this new administration uh, is uh, an office that actually takes care of uh, content of agreements or uh, is uh, is actually advising tenants uh, in order to understand their rights and to sign the best contracts they can and to see where to go from there in the protection of tenants uh, because tenancy law is something that is on the level of the state but what cities can do is try to is try to actually uh, Get like regulate that this uh, this relation between landlord and tenant is better than it is uh, today for more protections for tenants. That is one of the things. Yeah, and also of course uh, invest in new public housing. Mm. I think this is really interesting because when we we have been talking, I mean the film push is very much about uh, the effects of the two thousand eight financial crisis and. And the, the ideas hanging around at that time was that the market would solve everything. And if you saw the full film, Professor Stieglitz and all the others say, well, the market didn't solve it. Instead, the income gap became just bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and we know that the billionaires became 25% richer 2020. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's a system that keeps going. But, but now with this new, when the solutions coming to this new crisis of the, of the COVID, and of course here also the, the earthquake, it's important who is in, in charge. And we can see already now with, with the Biden administration that they're actually acting in a different way than the Obama administration did. So, so there is like there is a, there is some kind of new understanding on the table, 
and and but but there is, but, there is very and, the, and the good luck for Zagreb is that they also have groups like the right to the city who is can now are strong and prepared and there's a book out and now a new government so there is there is some hope new book a new government you know, like. <laughs> It's new, it's shiny and nice. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the paradigm is changing in in terms of deficit, hawkery is not anymore um, so much present. But yeah, we will see where that gets us. I mean, one of the the things that that also can happen is to be completely destroyed uh, (laughs) and to completely fail, of course, uh, because, you know, the more powerful actors that are still uh, quite neoliberal can actually destroy cities um, and can destroy their, their economies and their kind of uh, ways of thinking. But, for I mean, hopefully we are going into direction that is quite rational in, in terms of uh, understanding that, you know, uh, selling off property is not going to get us anywhere and to kind of uh, what Ada was also talking in the film uh, is to kind of uh, invest into the city, what city needs, and not just what uh, investment fund needs. Um, that's, a, that's a change of logic, and we will see what happens. Yeah. I remember when we were in Prague, it was the last uh, uh, screening that Frederick and I did together, uh, and just before the pandemic, literally, I think it was the 9th of March or something, so right before it was declared a global pandemic. Uh, but I, I remember there how difficult it was to have some of these conversations that we're having right now um, because of the sensitivities around, um, you know, are we talking about reintroducing socialism and bringing back communism? And, um, and of course, I mean, I think I'm clear in the film because, and that's my position as an advocate, which is, we haven't really had a chance to see if capitalism can respond to human rights. And that's what I'm interested. That's my big project. It's, 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 it's trying to convey that we don't have to adopt a whole other economic system. And in your case, it would be going back to a former economic system. We have a system in place. Let's try because we haven't yet tried to see if it can be responsive to ideas of social value, social good, Good, the social contract, and from my perspective, human rights. But I don't know if um, in Zagreb, it's, is, is it also the same tension there, this fear of going back? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, that is something that is kind of in the narrative, and especially in this kind of local election, there's a narrative, you know, communists are coming back. But I think it's a very worn out narrative, especially mm-hmm. now. When we have lived, one of the important things uh, to, to, that we have, you know, witnessed in the last year is that neoliberalism cannot answer to crisis because, you know, is a neoliberal cities because they depend on the centralization of power and individualization of power, which we ha- we had here, and institutions actually being dilapidated, not working. So we have to change. Like th- that was obvious, and now the new kind of uh, government is stepping in. Uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, I mean, in the narrative sense, it can be talked about, like, uh, as you said, I do believe that we need a different system than capitalism. That is my ideological belief, but also my practical and my kind of uh, a life's work is a question, how do we make life better now with the, with the tools that we have? And we know that we have tools that can make our material condition better. 
and we also know that we don't have the power to change the whole system. And of course, whoever understands the economies of the cities uh, and you know knows something about the economy knows that there is no going back into self-management system that we have in Yugoslavia. The world has changed. So the way that we change now also has to be different. Uh, so, but and also have to be realistic in terms of the cities. If we are in power of the large city, of the largest city in the country, we have some tools that can make our material conditions of living better, and we can actually be vigilant about the um, about the dangers that are coming from the financial capital and from the uh, different kind of neoliberal schemes that that we have been actually, um, yeah, threatened by. I, I think it's a it's a nice take. Let's try to do what we can do, <laughs> and be practical because it's it's uh, it's actually our lives we live right now, and we need to exactly. to, to do it as good as we can. You know what? It's it's uh, nine thirty here in Croatia, which means that the bars are closing in half an hour. So I always want to run out to buy a beer. I don't know. Perhaps. Maybe so. <clears throat> so maybe we should wrap up. Do you? Have to, what do you say, Leilani? I would. I would never stand between people and their beer. <laughs> Definitely not. So yes, we must all drink. And it's late enough here. I think I don't know what time it is here. Three thirty. Sure, I could start drinking too. Anyway, this was actually our first live podcast. Was it okay, Leilani? I think it's quite cool. Yeah, pushback talks on the road. I like it. Okay. Thank you, Leilani. Thank you, Eva. Thank you. And thank you, everybody out there. And uh, and uh, good luck with the film in Croatia. It, I, I really hope you can use it. And if you want to talk to me and Leilani more, just call us. We are yes. close to a screen. Yes, yes, always by a screen. But thank you so much, Eva, for your book. I can't wait for it to come out in English. But also the shift we should connect with you and the work you're doing there and learn more about what's happening and how we can support you. So it's really cool to meet you. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody out there. Thank you. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To watch Push, visit pushthefilm.com. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>